Praise God. It's a delight once again to come into your homes, your cell groups, or who knows, perhaps even into your church, and that to share God's word with you. I trust you're enjoying the series on what is in your hand. Our topic today is giving hands. And before we commence, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you today in the name which is above every other name. And we pray for the church of God, that Father, you would quicken the church to the extent that as never before, the church would witness of the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray for the persecuted church, that God, your presence will be there to shower them with grace. Father, we pray for Israel, that the peace of God will continue with that nation. Pray for Ian and myself and all the years and those that view this video, that God, you would bless them and bless us as well. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always marveled how it is quite a challenge for parents to teach their little children to share their possessions with other children. Some children will howl and scream when told to let other children play with their toys, let alone share their sweets and delicacies. I was very fortunate and blessed of the Lord to have grown up in a home where sharing was never a problem. My dear parents set forth a loving, caring and sharing example. Next to my dear wife, my parents were the most giving people I have ever known. We always had our parents, family, friends and strangers living in our home. In fact, our home was very affectionately known as Joe's and Maud's halfway house. My upbringing in a caring and loving home where strangers and the destitute were welcomed and treated like a part of our family was a tremendous blessing. We were in no way a rich family. Both my parents worked to make ends meet. My siblings and I always wore hand-me-downs. However, we were the richest in the community, for we had that which money could never buy. We had in our home the kindness of God. Sharing with others who are in need is very challenging, especially when all you have is enough for yourself. A classic example of this is seen in the narrative of the widow. Listen to the word of God. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people put in money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's now talk about the insignificant lad. All four Gospels record the stupendous miracle 
of the feeding of the 5,000. However, only John, John's gospel mentions the lad who had the five loaves and two fishes. After this, Jairus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not only would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, summoned Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their food, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets and fragments from the five loaves left by those who had eaten. That's in John chapter 6, verse 1 to 13, the English Standard Version. Though the name of the lad is not mentioned, he plays a prominent role in the miracle. The lad was more than willing to give his lunch, and that is lunch meal to Jesus. When asked by Andrew, there was no refusal on his part. He probably had witnessed several healings of Jesus and was wondering what Jesus could do with his five loaves and two fish. To his amazement, a miracle of multi multiplication took place with the very five loaves and two fishes which had lovingly had given to Andrew. No doubt, here was a lad who grew up in a home that permeated with kindness. Here was a lad that was trained to share with others by caring and loving parents. How true are the scriptures. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Mark's rendition of this miracle states that they were in a desert place, far away from the bread shops. The people were hungry and needed a meal immediately. The apostles encouraged Jesus to send the people to the nearby village, that they may buy bread to eat. This was not necessary, for the bread of life was there to meet the needs of his people. Mark chapter 6, 35 to 44. I am of the persuasion that the unnamed and insignificant lad had a ringside seat of the proceedings. I believe he sat next to Jesus and furthermore he was the first to partake. You need not agree with me. 
this is my personal opinion. Alongside the miracle worker, he witnessed how Jesus operated. There was order in the distribution of the bread and fish. The large crowd were told to sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Mark chapter 6, 39 to 14. This wise action made it easy for the apostle to maneuver among the large crowd. This lad saw through Jesus. This lad saw Jesus acting in great power. Yet there was dignity and order in the outacting of the miracle. Before the bread and fish was given to the apostles for distribution, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed the bread and then broke the bread and handed them over for distribution. After everyone ate from the five loaves and two fish, the lad saw another miracle acted out before his very eyes. Twelve baskets were filled with the remainder of the meal. An insignificant lad who was so given saw his bread and fish feed 5,000 people and have still 12 baskets remaining. Wow! Out of so little came forth so much. Jesus took the little that was in the insignificant lad's hands, fed the multitude and even multiplied it from five loaves, two fishes, feeding 5,000 people, and after all the people ate, 12 baskets remained. I can imagine how the insignificant boy shared his experience with his family and friends when he got home. He was so proud that Jesus used what was in his hands to perform a wondrous miracle. I asked you the question, what type of hands do you have? Do you have giving hands? You know, the scripture is profound. Heaven and earth will pass away, but never the word of the Lord. God has honored his word above his name. And this is what the word says. He that giveth to the poor lendeth to God. And if ever there's someone that pays his debt on time and that with great interest, it is God. I wonder, it's not said what was done with the 12 remaining baskets, but I dare say the Lord gave much of what was remaining to the little lad. So it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. And I've always known through my experience you can never, ever outgive God, for God is no man's debtor. And let me say this. There seems to be an overextension concerning seed giving. I'm not saying it's not of the Lord. I believe in it. But there seems to be an overextension of it. We give to people, not to receive back. We give because of love's compulsion. We see the need that people have and we give out of a caring heart. I don't give to receive. I give because there is a need. However, I don't knock the seed faith giving. I believe in it for the simple reason. 
the Father, our God, the Father, sets forth the good example of giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son. But today, how many sons and daughters has God got? Well, as far as I know, whew, millions, 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 millions. It is said there are over 600 million born-again spiritual Christians in the world today. All because God saw our need. Amen. Let's have some application to what we've said this afternoon. Spiritual applications. As parents, we must teach our children from little to share. They, through our teaching, must discover it is more blessed to give than to receive. Not only another spiritual application. Not only is it true that out of the mouths and obeys and sucklings as God ordained strength, but also out of their giving hands as well. Psalm 8 verse 2 and John 6 1 to 13. That little boy gave. Amen. He gave what he had and God used it to meet the need of the people. Now let me say this. Another spiritual application. An open hand. A giving hand is a blessed hand. Another spiritual application. Though miracles are supernatural. God in the feeding of the 5,000 worked out the wondrous miracle with dignity and honor. Let me explain that. There were 5,000 people. They had to be ordered to act out the miracle. So what did he do? He made the apostles to instruct the people to make rows of 100 and 150. So there could be a passageway as the apostles will go through and feed the people. Dignity and honor. Another spiritual application. Jesus used what was given to him. Let me reiterate. Jesus used what was given to him. As little as it was, Jesus used it and multiplied it. As little as there is in our hands. All we have to do is give it to the Lord and he will make the miracle to happen. Another spiritual application. Like Jesus, whenever there is an urgent need for a miracle, let us look heavenward and pray God's blessing. Another spiritual application. Let us glean from the unknown land that recognition is not always necessary. We must never be motivated by fame and fortune. Though many of us will no doubt become famous for what we do in God's work. But whether we become famous or not, there is coming that time, that wonderful day, when we will hear the words of our Lord. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. And I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, English Standard Version. Another spiritual application. 
Amen. At all times, we must appreciate God's provision. We must never waste. Whenever we have too much, we must not discard it. Whatever is left over must be gathered and shared among the needy and the less fortunate. Another spiritual application. If what you possess, you cannot share or give it away to those in need, then sadly, you don't possess it. Rather, it possesses you. I want to reiterate that. It is vital. Eat what you possess or what you own. You cannot share or give away to those in need. Then sadly, you don't possess it. Rather, it possesses you. You are controlled by what you have. The Bible teaches it is more blessed to give than receiving. Acts 20 and verse 35. Once again, let me end another chapter with an acronym. Home. Remember I spoke about growing up in a home where this boy grew up? Okay. Here's an acronym for home. H-O-N-E. Heaven on my earth. My being God's earth. H-O-M-E. Heaven on my earth. Many people do not see the distinction between a house and a home. Both, no doubt, are dwelling abodes. And yet to the spiritually inclined, there are those peculiar differences. A house is where you lay your head to rest. It is a dwelling place. Though you lay your head down to rest, and that can be anywhere in the world, you will miss home. I love music, and there are those special songs I will play when stressed. Certain songs just do something good for me. My favorite singer is Elvis. And the song I love is Home. Home is where the heart is. One of my most special songs. Within the song, there's a line which says, Home is where my heart is, and my heart is anywhere you are. Herein lies the distinction. You can lay your head anywhere in the world, but where is your heart? Where is your heart? Your heart is where your home is. It is not the building, the house that matters. It is the people you love and they live in the building, in the house with you. That makes it a home. Another spiritual application. A house is but a structure. A home is where you and the people you love live together. A home is where Christian principles are taught and adhered unto. The lad who gave his bread and fish was raised not in a house, but in a home. No wonder he was more than willing to give his bread and his fish to the Lord Jesus Christ. The last spiritual application. Christians, Christian homes and more so the home of God's preachers 
are meant to be like lighthouses. A beacon of light that forewarns people of dangers that will destroy them. The safe haven of rest and peace, regardless of what is transpiring outside, is the church and those Christian homes that honor God. I trust this short teaching has been a blessing, but let's remind ourselves that what Christ performed that day, that stupendous, wondrous miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes and still five, five, or rather 12 baskets remaining would not have taken place if the boy was not there and the boy was not willing, willing to give his lunch for the use of the Lord. What is in your hand? Are you willing to give it to the Lord? Is your hand an open hand to the Lord? Or is this your motive that so grips the church? The church is motivated by interest. If I sow a seed, I get 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Now, this is the way the church is moving. This is the way church, modern-day churches raise money. They coerce people <laughs> to give based on the seed faith giving. Let me say this. We give out of love's compulsion. If people are in need, we don't give to get back. We give because we love them and we care for them. If there's no returns, well and good. But there's coming a day, whether now or up in heaven, God will reward us. But don't be compelled in giving for what you can receive as a seed, faith, and then multiplied back to you. That's not motivation for giving. That's not motivation for giving. We give because we love people and we care for people. Amen? Amen? Maybe I said this before, but the word care means a lot to me. C-A-R-E. Caring always reveals empathy. There's a marked difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy, you feel sorry for the person. Empathy, you feel sorry with the person. You feel their pain. You feel their suffering. It's as if the scripture that Jesus spoke comes a reality in your own experience when you consider other people. Jesus said, I'm touched with the feelings of others' infirmity. And when you give and when you share, it's evidence that what those people are going through, you are willing to take it upon yourself. You think less of yourself and more of that person and you give what you've got willingly. Amen. Oh, I trust this being a blessing. You know, I made mention of my mother and father. What a given people. I can count at least three members of my father's family that lived with us a couple of years when they were going through their hard times. I can remember my brother's friends coming to live with us 
because they had no place to live. My, my home I grew up in was an open home. They were known, they were known for their kindness. And we weren't rich people, but my father and mother both had to work. And then I married my dear wife, Dolores. And you know what? She's exactly like my parents. One of the kindest persons I know. What a kind, loving woman. Um, I don't know if I shared this with you, but please don't tell her what I said, eh? Whatever you do, if you see it, don't tell her. I know my wife for almost 52 years, and we're still in love. But you know what? Time sometimes changes us, eh? When I first met her, wow, wow, my eyes popped. <laughs> oh, man, she was a Barbie doll. But sadly, over the years, she's become a Panadol. <laughs> Don't tell her, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But nevertheless, I must admit, I married her for her money. And she, she confessed to me that she married me for my looks. But to my disappointed, disappointment, I discovered she had no money. And then she married me for my looks. And just look what she's done to me. Just look at me. <laughs> oh, we just threw that in, Ian and I. Laughter, medicine for the soul. It's good sharing with you. Amen. Next week, I'm going to do a, a, a video on the cues in hand. We spoke about all the positive, positive uh, 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 analogies of the hand. But next week, we're going to speak about the accusing finger. But before I close, Ian, can you come and greet the people for a half a minute? I've got to tell Ian a half a minute because Ian's got, got the gift of continuation. Come Ian, say a few things. Greet the people. Hi, everyone. I'm not quite sure what Joe wants me to share here. Just say hello. Well, hello everyone. <laughs> it's good to um, see you again and I hope that you've been blessed richly by this video that Joe has shared and um, look forward to many more to come. And please, if you know people that would um, benefit from this video, please share this video with them. If you're viewing it online, encourage them to watch this vid these videos as well. Thank you Ian, you are a star. Oops, oops. God bless. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless your family. The Lord bless your church. The Lord bless your friends as well. Amen. Have a good, have a God week. My, my son in the Lord, uh, Jacob Isaac, Pastor Jacob Isaac, always says, no, don't say have a good week. He says, have a God week. So have a God week and God bless you. And please write to us. You can catch us on Calvary Apostolic Ministries Facebook. Amen. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Amen.